At Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Visit pointpark.edu slash works to learn more about Point Park's innovative co-op program. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Pittsburgh sports fans, welcome back to another episode of Back Through the Tunnel. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, here every Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's when this show airs. And as you know, if you've been following along for the past week plus, it's myself as a host, and I bring in someone from the DKPittsburghSports.com staff to talk about any of the Pittsburgh teams. We're talking even Pitt, Pirates, Steelers, Penguins, and that's where we are today. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I have Taylor with me. Taylor, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing just great. I'm excited for sports to return, whether it's the Pirates over at PNC Park. But as we get ready for the hockey season to get started, let's just do a where where are we now in terms of just dates for fans to remember that they can mentally put on their calendar to say, okay, this is when camp starts. Is there been anything official? And if so, when is that date? Yeah, so right now we're still in phase two of the NHL's return to play uh, plan. In the last week, we've gone from six-player informal skates to 12-player informal skates, so we're getting closer. Training camp, though, uh, right now on track to open July 10th. I know there's been some talk that they could push that back somehow because, I mean, uh, 26 players have gotten coronavirus. So, But, yeah, right now it sounds like July 10th is going to be the opening date. All right, and that'll happen right there in Cranberry, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, teams are having them in their own uh, home NHL arenas. All right, very good. Yeah. So let's do a little roll call. Um, who's here? Who isn't here? Is there anyone that's not here yet in terms of the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah, so Mike Sullivan just uh, did a video conference call, and he said to his knowledge, everyone is here. Um, now, I know as of the last uh, skate, We've so like we're not allowed these skates, but we get pictures and videos of what happens that day. And as of Tuesday, there are maybe four players that we haven't seen yet. But I, if a player is coming over from Europe, um, or if they fly uh, back into Pittsburgh, they have to uh, self isolate for two weeks. So Sullivan said the last player to arrive was Hornquist, and I know based off of his trainer's Instagram, he was in. Um, he was still in Sweden at least as of two weeks ago. So Sullivan did say he's still self-isolating. Um, I think you saw Ricola because he was in Finland at least of a week ago. So he should still be self-isolating too. Um, I don't know if we're waiting on any uh, of the Black Aces expanded roster players, but it sounds like they're all in town. But yeah, the NHL players, it sounds like they're definitely all in town. This is going to sound really silly, but I love asking, how excited are you? to be able to write about actual hockey, even if it's just line rushes and power play units. I mean, I asked this to Alex on our last podcast and I go from one to 10, 10 being elated, one being, man, it's just another day. How excited are you to actually have hockey back? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, give us something to do. I don't know. I've also been enjoying this. Uh, I don't want to call it downtime, but it just, it, it's given me an opportunity to do other things too. I've been doing a lot of, um, 
phone interviews with prospects. I have more more lined up. So I mean, that, I, I like having the time to do that, but uh, I definitely do miss just <laughs> writing about what's going on with the big team too. So. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to let our listeners know uh, you know, the, your, the, the prospect stuff you've been doing for DKPittsburghSports.com is unbelievable. Why don't you just give us a lay of the land as to who you've been talking to and maybe who you have coming up um, in terms of these potential prospect breakdowns and, and really give them a, an idea of what to expect. Yeah, so I'm trying to talk to the guys who are in town uh, to be on the expanded roster. So I have talked to uh, Amal Larmy, the Finnish goaltender, about because he just had a really tough time getting over here. Um, it, it took him three flights just because it, he, he's a goofy guy. I don't know. So I talked to him first. Um, uh, another black ace that I have lined up, who I've already talked to, but I have a story lined up for Friday, is Pierre-Olivier Joseph. I mean, he's their top defense prospect, uh, and he's he's in he's in Pittsburgh. Um, and then uh, I have I have a couple others that I'm I'm going to try to talk to. And then of guys who aren't here, I did just talk to Jan Droz uh, for a story. He's in Slovenia. He's not a black ace, but. Um, I talked to him about what, what he's been doing in Slovenia for the shutdown because, I mean, he, he, he lives in a, not, not a smaller town, but it's one that doesn't have ice right now. So I talked to him about how he's been working out and just, uh, uh, you know, his thoughts on his rookie season, that kind of stuff. It's really original content, and it's a, it's a deep dive into these players that you might not hear a lot about, but it's super fascinating to me. But you've used the term black ace already like three or four times in our podcast. And I'm sure there's listeners out there like, what in the world is she talking about? Just let the listeners know what is a black ace and so that they're all, all, we're all on the same page. Yeah. So in a typical year, um, once you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, if the prospects in the system or anyone playing in the minors, when their seasons are over, they will come up to the NHL and just uh, kind of be a practice squad because there are no – uh, roster limits after the trade deadline, so also in the playoffs, and then there's no uh, salary cap in the playoffs, so they can add as many uh, players as they want to the rosters. So those guys, I mean, and it'll pretty much be anyone in the AHL who is available, and then sometimes guys from juniors in college, depending on when their seasons are over, and they just practice with the big team, uh, travel around in case anyone from the big team gets hurt. So uh, they they kind of stay in game shape. Um, this year it's a little bit different because there are roster limits, so there aren't that many of them. Um, but as far as like the actual term black aces, uh, it dates back to the 40s where uh, Eddie Shore, he was the owner um, of a minor league team and he would, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's connected to the dead man's hand and uh, I think, I guess it's poker. Mm-hmm which it's it's an unlucky hand and it has two black aces in it okay and his logic was that uh so the dead man's hand is considered unlucky because i guess a guy in the uh like the wild west got killed while holding it yes. um yeah so if <laughs> back when eddie shore was the owner the i think he was also coach to the black ace players were down on their luck because 
uh, the the extra players back then would just be the ones that would be in, in his doghouse are hurt. Um, so right now they're they're not quite that unlucky. It's more of an opportunity for them, but that's the yeah, the name goes back to the forties. And how many how many black aces do they have? Or are they are NHL teams permitted this year? Um. So right now it sounds like the total roster will be 30, 30 skaters. So that's forwards and defensemen for camp and unlimited goaltenders. And then once we get to the actual games, it'll be 28 skaters and unlimited goaltenders. So um, the, the Penguins have three extra goaltenders right now. And uh, we're not quite sure who the forwards and defensemen are um, because we're not seeing uh, their skates yet. But uh, some of I mean, we know about Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who's their top defense prospect. We know about Samuel Poulin, who is their top forward prospect. And there, there are a couple others here, too. Yeah, that's really good information. Um, my last question before our first break is about the NHL, but more specifically the draft lottery. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a big story. I asked uh, Dave about it on Monday. And I just wanted to get your overall reaction to what happened, number one. And number two, is the lottery still something that the NHL should be invested in? And I, I always bring up the fact that, you know, he, Dave went into great detail about teams tanking and things of that nature. Um, but at the same time, as someone that follows the NFL very closely, as I write about the Steelers, well, they don't have that policy. It's the worst team gets the top pick. So what is your take first on what happened? in this year's NHL draft lottery. And then I want to get your interpretation on the NHL draft lottery in general. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the draft lottery, what happened this year. The only thing that really doesn't make sense to me is why they broke it up into two phases. Uh, like they had the first phase to determine the order and the stipulation was if a placeholder Gets selected, so they only draw for the top three spots. So if a placeholder or placeholders were in any of the top three spots, they were going to uh, have a second lottery draw, and that'll happen after the qualifying round because those eliminated qualifying round teams are the ones that are going to be in that second draft lottery. There's no real reason for them to do that. The the draft isn't until October. Um, normally, the, the draft lottery is only two months before the the draft, not four. So. Uh, the the and the order was very confusing but the the way they're doing that it doesn't really it didn't affect the odds so i mean this i don't i don't think there's really anything to complain about with the way they did it this year and i really don't have a problem with detroit who was by clear the worst team uh not getting the number one pick i think it, it should not be a guarantee um and the so a, a team eliminated from the qualifying round is going to pick number one overall. There's a 24.5% chance that that was going to happen because the the eight worst uh, the, the the eight teams with the worst odds were placeholders, which that's not any different from any other year where the bottom eight teams have a 24.5% chance. So. I don't know. I, I know a lot of fans are mad about, you know, when you, when you group them collectively like that, they don't like the 24.5% odds. Uh, it's really not that different from any other year. Uh, I don't really have a problem with it. I don't know. And then uh, as far as tanking and, you know, why we need the lottery, 
I'm sure Dave talked about it in his, but I mean, the Penguins tanked for Mario in the 83-84 season. Um, That's what he said. Yeah, they, well, I mean, uh, the, <laughs> the GM, Eddie Johnston, I, he's never fully admitted it, but I mean, they did, but the, the coach, uh, Luan Gotti for that team, he, he, he'll, he's very open about it. Um, there's a TSN documentary, Playing to Lose, where um, they both speak, and a couple of guys from that team speak, and like, they, they were tanking for Mario. And if they wouldn't have tanked and, you know, made the moves they did, the Devils would have gotten Mario because it really wasn't that. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty close to the standings. But um, when we talk about tanking, it's not the players doing the tanking. Like, the players aren't going out there trying to lose. It's, like, it's management. It's sending guys down to the minors. It's making, you know, tr- bad trades during the season or trading, like, good players for assets. Like, they traded um, in 83-84. They traded Norse Trophy winning defenseman Randy Carlisle for uh, really a whole lot of nothing at the time which and you bring up the NFL you're not sending guys down to the minors in the NFL no. so like in, in hockey they might bury a good better guy in the minors to tank or you know bring up you know a rookie goaltender who really doesn't have an ex- uh, NHL experience to play which like there's really not that much of an NFL equivalent for that. And the NFL doesn't really have as many mid-season trades. So it's, it's um, cr- I think it's a little different. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, in the NFL, it's almost, it's almost embraced. I mean, <laughs> I brought up the two slogans, uh, suck for luck, when Andrew Luck was coming out of Stanford, mm-hmm. and then tank for Tua. That, that was a common thread in Miami up until Tua hurt his hip at the university of Alabama last year. And it's almost embraced that, Hey, if we're going to be lousy, we might as well be really lousy. I don't know what it's going to be this year for uh, Lawrence out of Clemson, who will probably join the NFL ranks in the 2021 draft. But so you're telling me, and, and this is fact that there is a chance that the Pittsburgh Penguins, if they were to be knocked out by the Canadians in the qualifying round, that they could potentially get the first overall pick. Yeah. So the, there will be eight teams eliminated from the qualifying round. Um, if the qualifying round is played and each of the losing teams will have an equal one in eight uh, chance in the second lottery or, you know, 12.5%. So, I mean, it's a long shot in two ways that, you know, the Penguins would have to lose to the Canadians and then they'd have to win a lottery in which they have 12.5% odds, which, I mean, uh, I think that's that's double the odds that they had when they won the lottery and uh, the draft crawls being 405. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a chance. I just think it's super unlikely. Well, yeah, but it's just crazy. It's crazy to me that that's even a possibility because you're talking about yeah. a team like the Penguins who is considered a Stanley Cup, not a favorite to win it all, but they're always up there in terms of the odds to potentially get the first overall pick, have a transformative player be on your team. And as Crosby and Malkin era is in the, the final, the waning years of their career, it's incredible. So, you know what? Let's head into our first break. It's a good place to stop. When we come back, I want to talk about the Canadians, the Montreal Canadiens, who the Penguins will be playing in that qualifying round, and then some other questions about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll be right back after this break. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer, your window, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. 
gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Pittsburgh fans, we're talking Penguins here with Taylor. And Taylor, I have a question because I can't remember a lot about these teams that the Penguins play, and it's been so long. The Montreal Canadiens, they did have a series with them uh, in in the regular season. Uh, did they split? How many games did they play against the Canadiens? you know off the top of your head? Um, I believe they only played two. It feels like okay. so long ago. <laughs> I, they know. Did lo- I know they lost 4-1 to one when they played them in December. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, on, on Sullivan's conference call, Dave actually asked about that too. And he asked about, you know, that, that loss of December and like Sullivan didn't remember it either. <laughs> um, he said, uh, he said, he's trying to remember back to December. He said, my thought would be that we did not play as well as them. And that's what they beat us. <laughs> um, which, so like, I mean, the, that, that regular season series against them, they're really not putting a whole lot of weight into that because that was forever ago. Um, what Sullivan said is they're looking more at uh, the Canadians' most recent game footage rather than, uh, you know, just the matchups yeah. against Penguins. Well, and the Canadians, they were they were sellers at the trade deadline. I mean, they got rid of a lot of talent because up until everything got shut down, uh, they, they were expected to be re, kind of rebuilding, right? Yeah, I don't know about rebuilding, but, I mean, they were a 500 team. Uh, in the okay. regular season, they did trade, I mean, Ilya Kovalchuk, who uh, – I mean, uh, great uh, offensive player. They, I'm sure they would have liked to have him going to this series, especially for the power play. Uh, he's on the caps now. But, yeah, they did make a couple trades like that for assets, uh, you know, like prospects and picks and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they weren't expecting to be in this uh, position for sure. So with that said, what are, who are some players outside of Carey Price? I think Carey Price is a household name. If you follow hockey, you know who he is. Who are some players on the Montreal Canadiens roster that Penguins fans need to get used to hearing because they're going to be big time players in the potential outcome of this series. Just a couple, you don't need to go through the whole roster, but just a couple players, you're like, you know, this guy is a player that the Penguins are going to have to deal with. Who are some of those? Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I, I think that's the thing with the Canadians is that there really aren't many outside of Carey Price. Uh, <laughs> he, he was part of the reason why they were as good as, I mean, he was, probably the biggest reason they were as good as they are. He is one of the greatest goaltenders in the game right now. Um, <laughs> it's really his team. And I think this series will, that's why this series will be depending a lot on the goaltending. Um, but I mean, outside of uh, Carey Price, there's, there's Max Domi. Uh, he's a young forward. who was drafted uh, 2013. So he's like 25, but I mean, he's one of their better players. He's only been in Montreal, um, I believe two seasons now. 
Uh, he, had, he had like 40 points during, during the regular season, pretty good. But uh, then again, I don't think they've actually confirmed that he's going to play because he has diabetes, which is a pre-existing condition that can make you more susceptible to coronavirus and make it uh, impact you more if you do get it. Um, and, you know, the GM, Mark Bergerman, said that uh, he spoke earlier about how, you know, they didn't know yet if he'd be able to play. Um, and I mean, if he's out, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty big uh, part yeah. of the roster. Yeah, the the only, the next biggest one is uh, Shea Weber, um, defenseman. Uh, just his shot, and uh, it, it, it's dangerous. He's a, he's a good offensive uh, player for defensemen. It's incredible. Yeah, it's funny that this is the way that things panned out because as you talk, I'm listening and I recognize some of these names and then you're just kind of like, that's it. And that's, that's really it. Like, I don't feel like the fans listening should say, there's got to be more. Well, maybe there isn't more because they did make a lot of trades. They were getting assets. They were not rebuilding, but retooling and and looking towards the next season. And they had no idea they were going to be in this qualifying round yet. Here we are, but let's focus on the penguins. Now let's, let's go to the other side of the docket. The one thing that, you know, I've listened to Dayon's uh, DK's Daily Shot every morning. You can listen to that Monday through Friday every morning. It publishes in the wee hours of the morning. And he talked recently in a podcast about lines and like where Connor Sheary fits in and how he only sees him as a fit in that top line. I want to get your you – know, everyone remembers the HBK line. Everyone loves the HBK line. And, and even Dayon talked about how Sullivan is trying to find that HBK line for this push, if you were to guess who would be the, which line would be the most, and I know we don't know the lines for sure, but we can all take educated guesses now, which line for the Penguins forwards would be closest to maybe getting back to that dominant line, even if it's not the top one, the dominant line that really makes a difference. Yeah, that's tough. I know, you know, if we're talking just about uh, not, not the best line, but I mean, the, their fourth line we really didn't see it a whole lot together towards the end, you know, due to just, just injuries. But Aston, Reese, Bluger, and Tanev were really good fourth line. I mean, that's not going to be their best line. That's not going to be their scoring line. But as far as other fourth lines, uh, you know, with any, any team they may match up against, um, I mean, that's a really good fourth, fourth line, energy line. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I think – all the lines are kind of up in the air, except for that one. I think that's the combination we're definitely going to see for the fourth line. I, it, it was incredible that, and I think fans sometimes, because from a fan's perspective, just watching games on television or at the time being there in person, when you see a line become so transformative like that HBK line, and it just became its own story, everyone thinks, oh, well, that's just easy. That's just easy. I mean, we'll just, uh, Sullivan, just find your next HBK line. But those might come around like once a decade, and especially at that time in the playoffs. The top line, you, do you see Sheary? I talked with Dave about this on Monday. Do you see Sheary finding his spot there? Do you think he'll be able to keep it? Because Dave made it very clear. If this guy doesn't find the back of the net, because he'll have opportunities playing with those guys, he could be in street clothes before you know it. you, you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I think if Connor Sherry is not in your top six, so your top two forward lines, then I don't think he has a place in the lineup at all. Uh, and if if he is going to be in the top six, it's going to be in that top line. So, I mean, we know the top line for sure, Crosby and Gensel on his wing. We don't know who the third one is going to be. Um, Sherry is an option. Uh, I think you really have two main options, and it's Sherry and uh, Jason Zucker, who they acquired 
um, midseason last year. And I think, you know, Zuck, Zucker just looked really he, – he, he fit in that line immediately. And uh, we so we haven't seen him with Gensel on the other wing uh, because Gensel was hurt since December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we, we know that the Sherry Crosby-Gensel line will – they were good a couple of years ago. We haven't seen them together since. And I think that's the sort of thing that um, – so, like, training camp, they're going to have a lot of inter-squad games and try to simulate a playoff, playoff-like atmosphere as much as they can. So, I think we'll probably see both of those combinations in camp, I'd imagine. Okay, last question here before we, before we call it an episode. As training camp quickly approaches, what would be some storylines? Because I know as a writer, and you're probably the same way, there are certain things in your mind that you're thinking, okay, th- this is something that I want to keep an eye on. And sometimes it's as simple as line combinations, but sometimes it's a lot more telling than that. What exactly are some things that you're thinking of in terms of storylines uh, he- entering this this weird, awkward camp that they're about to embark on? Yeah, I mean, the Sherry thing is one of the bigger things because if if Sherry isn't in the lineup, and uh, I think Evan Rodriguez has a uh, lesser chance of being in the lineup than you know none of those players from the Cahoon trade with Buffalo are in the lineup. Um, so I think uh, yeah, the Sh- Sherry just I guess where he fits uh, in this new lineup with everyone healthy is the big one. Um, I mean, the biggest one is Gensel and how he looks. Uh, he you know he hasn't had contact yet. He's been taking a lot. So I mean, he had a shoulder injury, and he's been taking a lot of shots. And his shots look good, but I mean they haven't you can't simulate contact in these six or 12 player informal skates where they're, they're really not supposed to be near each other. Uh, so I guess how Gensel deals with contact and uh, I guess where his mind is at, like confidence wise with that contact and, you know, how his shoulder feels. Uh, that's a big thing. Um, another thing I'm interested in is uh, Patrick Marlowe. I mean, how he's <laughs> dealt with this uh, long uh, layoff because he is, um, older he's he's 40 uh so i it might be harder for him to get back into to speed than uh you know some of the younger players may i know he had been skating in in san jose before he came to pittsburgh he's already skating in in pittsburgh um and i i mean even you know the beginning of the year toronto he he signed late he missed their training camp so i don't know if it's that different for him or maybe if he'll benefit for it but just i guess how patrick marlowe would look uh, especially because we really didn't see much of him during the season. I think only eight games he played uh, after the trade deadline before the season shutdowns. So um, just how Patrick Marlowe looks and where he fits in because um, he's a guy that, you know, really should be in the top six too. Yeah. And from talking with you and Dave and doing two shows a week talking about the Penguins, I mean, would you say that my assessment that this roster is pretty complete is accurate? Yeah. I mean, the the four depth I know we talked about it last week is just it's just crazy because they had so many Fords hurt at the time of the deadline and you know they they added Fords at the at the uh, at the trade deadline you know assuming they'd be without Gensel for a while but so I mean now they're just kind of loaded um, the defense I mean it's the same they've had all year um, I I think it's all right I mean Jack Johnson not the best uh, but I it, pretty solid defense the the goaltending I mean they really have two guys who could be starters I think if we're going head-to-head against the you know Canadian just looking at that matchup between the two teams um the can the goaltending is really the only area where I, the Canadians I think do 
have an edge over the Penguins, and that's just because of Carey Price. So, um, I mean, look, uh, but the roster on paper, I mean, it's pretty solid. Yeah, and it's going to be exciting. I'm excited for you to be able to get out there and actually, well, I don't know if you'll be able to actually physically watch it, but at least to report on something that's actually hockey-related, that is training camp, that we can talk about actual, okay, this was their power play unit. It's going to be fun, and we're going to have you back next week for sure to talk about that. Taylor, real quick, I've been asking everyone to do this this week. Um, tell everyone your Twitter handle, just in case they want to find you there. Yeah, it's Taylor Haas, P-G-H, and you spell my last name, H-A-A-S-H. Very good. So make sure you check her out on Twitter as well as at DKPittsburghSports.com. A quick reminder to everyone listening, wherever you follow us, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, you name it, we're there. Follow us, like it, subscribe so that you don't miss anything. That's this show, Back Through the Tunnel at 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, or DK's Daily Shot. And we also throw up if anyone is on, you know, like Dale Lolly on SNR. If someone goes on 105.9 The X, we have all that there. Make sure you follow us. Taylor, thank you for your time. We'll see you tomorrow for a special guest. Take it easy. At Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's The Point. Point Park University.